The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Today we're talking about demons. C.S. Lewis says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They, the unclean spirits, are equally pleased by both errors. They hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. If you weren't tracking with that, it's saying that the demons are happy when, when you disbelieve them or when you excessively believe that they're around every corner. These are two common errors. In this age of modernity, I know that instantly people here are saying, I don't believe in those. And if, if I were the Ryan Torona from 2002 spring, I would have said I might agree with you. And then the Ryan Torona post-summer of 2002, I would say I definitely do not agree with you. And we're going to get into that. But we need to pray because um, whenever we talk about spiritual warfare in church gatherings, there tends to be a heightened amount of it. Uh, last night and yesterday when I was praying, just a heaviness, thankfully, like nothing tragic happened in my life. Uh, last night, though, like emotions were weird. People cried in my family for no reason. Uh, today, I don't know that I was telling one of the greeters, I don't know that we're going to have anyone that's going to come forward when I say, do you need prayer later on in the service for demon possession or oppression because of the culture we're in? But we're going to pray nonetheless. And right now, um, I need us to, to take a moment and I, I want you to talk to God and ask Him to prepare your heart for the spiritual battle. So I'm going to give you a few seconds and then I'm going to pray us in and we're going to get into our text in Mark chapter 1. Father, I don't want to underestimate the power of evil. And I don't want to underestimate your victory over evil. Lord, today as we read a story about a demonic presence, about an unclean spirit, a lying spirit, as your word calls it, I pray that you would open our eyes like you did to Elisha's servant in the Old Testament to behold the spiritual realities that exist though we may not see them. I pray that those in here who are already skeptical would send in their questions and not just simply sit idly by and disregarding these very present dangers that assail and assault us. Father, I ask that your spirit would guard this place from demonic distraction. I ask that your spirit would guard our families from demonic oppression. 
I ask right now, God, that you would give clarity this morning in Jesus' name. Mark chapter 1. Uh, just so you know, my number should be on the back throughout the ser- service. If you need to text a question about demons, please do so, and we'll have a time to answer them at the end of service, Lord willing. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. This is after Jesus gets his followers. He's just kicking things off. Verse 21 says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. The scribes taught as, here's what the God's word said in the scroll, and they would say, here's what other rabbis say that this means. Jesus just said, here's what it means, according to God. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Everyone say demon. Okay, that's what that is. In the Bible, they're referred to as demons, fallen angels, unclean spirits, lying spirits. They are solely set on the purpose of distracting and destroying humanity, pulling us away from God so that they are robbing us of joy and security. And he cried out. This is the demon crying out, the unclean spirit. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. No one else had even said this about Jesus yet. This is in the beginning. His followers were following a rabbi. This demon says, you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Demons are angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but they left the proper dwelling. It's Jude 1.6. Now here's the interesting thing about this. Because of where we live, I know that we're thinking, demons, that that can't be, right? Unless you grew up in the church, depending on which denomination, uh, some denominations tend to emphasize demonic activity. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes there's a demon around every corner. And if you look at the chapel, we got like corner, 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 corner. Today, if I say, hey, I want you to bring anyone forward that if you have a demon possession or oppression, possession is a demon, a spiritual being entering into a person, or oppression would be a spiritual being oppressing from outside of a person. If I say, come forward if you want to pray for someone, you're not allowed to send all your kids forward, okay? Unless you have a thought that there is oppression, and you think, well, what does that look like? Possession looks like a person who is taken over by something else, some other being, a personality shift. And I I don't want you to confuse this. I think there are biological and psychological reasons that a person could have multiple personalities. I also believe that there are spiritual realities. If you would have asked me in the spring of 2002, I would have said, I'm not sure about demons because I was three years into my Christian faith and I'd read this and I thought, you know, it's back then, but I haven't seen anything like this. And then on a missions trip, 
We were in Munich, Germany at this place, very modern, called the Marienplatz. It's a, a central square where there's these shops and cathedrals. And we were there, uh, we had been praying for the city. We had partnered with a church, Calvary Chapel Munich, and we set up teams of two, and as the high schoolers, I was the high school pastor at the time, this is in 2002, and we set up the teams of two and three, and they walked around just praying for the city of Munich. And after we had been praying, we, we got back together, we recapped what was going on, and at the time there was some soccer tournament on, it might have been the World Cup or something, 2002 summer. So the guys in the group were all watching soccer, there's a little pub, in this huge square, probably about the size of our field, and the girls are sitting on the ground just talking afterwards, and I'm over with the guys, and the girl leaders were with the girls, because I don't know why the girls didn't want to watch soccer, because soccer is the world's greatest sport, other than football. And, um, and one of the leaders comes over and, and taps me and says, um, Ryan, there's some weird guy just walking around the girls right now. And I look over, and I go full like dad bear. Um, so the girls are sitting, and this guy is just walking around them like this. And he's muttering something under his voice. And he's smaller than me, because most people are smaller than me. And he's just walking. Didn't even see me walk up. And I, I stood there for a moment, and then I just stepped into his like little path. And he walked into me and was muttering something. And I don't speak German. Uh, my friend who lived there was a pastor and a staff there, uh, did, does speak German. And, uh, and I said, hey, can I help you, man? Because the girls were just sitting there, and this guy was creeping them out, like looking down at them, saying something that they could understand. And he looks up at me, just anger. And I say, um, is everything okay? And at this point, I'm telling, like, okay, you guys get up. You guys start moving that way, like over to the U-Bahn, the subway. And, um, and he starts starts muttering things. I said, look, we're just here. We are just praying for your city. We're not trying to hurt anybody or anything. And he started escalating his anger, and he stopped muttering in German, and he started muttering in English. And he started getting more aggressive and in my face. So at this time, I'm saying, hey, everyone, why don't you guys, like, calmly, you go that way, head over there. And I stood between this guy and them. And he started, he started saying things about the church. And he's spitting at the ground at my feet. And he's getting angrier and angrier, and his face is, like, contorting. And I'm like, look, man, we're just here to love the city in Jesus' name. And at this point, his voice elevates. And we're in the middle. It'd be the equivalent of, like, if you were at, um, at like, the International Plaza. Like, that modern, that crowded, open space there. And he just starts saying things about the church in Jesus, but he didn't call him Jesus. He called him Yeshua, the Nazarite, Yeshua, the Nazarite. And then he starts spitting and cursing. And as this was going on, we had, I had sort of been buffering between him and my kids, my, my, the teenagers. I didn't have kids at the time. So I'm buffering. And as soon as I said the name of Jesus, I'm there and the other pastor guy's behind me because he's little. And he's like, I'm out. And I know this whole time, I'm not thinking demon at all until in the very end of this whole thing, after I had said, we're here to love your city in Jesus' name, he's saying, son of God, Yeshua, the Nazarite, and he's leaning into me like there's a hurricane pressing against the front of him, but there was no anything. And he's screaming and spitting, and his eyes are lit up with anger, and I'm just backing up. I'm not even turning around at this point. And I'm like, that guy is crazy. He needs to go see a therapist. And I get on the U-Bahn, and Matt, the pastor who, who lived there, 
said, um, that guy was demon-possessed. And I was like, no, no, no. He was just crazy. And he goes, let's, let's just track through this. When you said Jesus, he stopped. Literally couldn't come forward. He had been tracking with us for yards toward the subway, and then, and then he stopped, and then it's like the might of his being was leaning in, but couldn't follow us anymore. And he was screaming until we got to the subway. And this is another 50 yards maybe or so. And he's still screaming at us, spitting the whole time. And nobody around is just, we're, they're just kind of parting around this guy and like steer clear of this crazy. That was my first encounter where I thought, crap. Uh, I can't explain that. And then on a trip in India, seeing unexplainable phenomenon occurring, meeting people whose testimonies were so short and brief, one man stood up and, uh, and he had been drinking and beating his family. He was prayed for and then stopped drinking and beating his family. And his wife said, it was like I got a different husband the moment after he was prayed for. Now, I don't know with any definitiveness what this looks like for us here in Fishhawk, in the suburbs of Tampa. I do believe in demonic beings, that they are present and they are active among us. You and I right now are in the middle of a battle for your life. Our enemy is organized, our enemy is experienced, and our enemy is powerful. To discount the power of a demonic presence would be foolhardy. This demon in the story with Jesus questions Jesus. What do you want with us? Have you come to destroy us? They know that Jesus is the ceiling of their fate. And in case you're wondering, the spiritual battle of good and evil, it's not a dualistic thing. It's not yin and yang. It's God who wins and demons who will one day know their eternal place and there is no chance for victory. Think of it like the Steelers versus the Bucks. <laughs> Think of it like a foot race between Usain Bolt and my newborn, Bella Rose, who literally can't even roll over. God wins. There's a, an idea, though, and I need us to understand the, the possession is a demon entering into somebody. Oppression, get it? Possession, oppression. Possession is a demon entering in. Oppression is a demon affecting from without. A pastor five miles from where I moved from took his own life a week ago, 30 years old, three kids. His wife shared afterward that he had been battling from depression. He'd been battling with extreme anxiety. 
oppression from without. I don't believe, because the Bible teaches, that, that followers of Jesus can be possessed, demon in. I believe followers of Jesus can be oppressed, demon from outside. The reason is not just my own opinion. Uh, it comes from Scripture in Matthew 12. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house, referring to the human that the demon was in, from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell in the person. If demonic beings are looking for people to possess or oppress all of the time. They're crafty and they're wise. They've been doing this longer than any of us have been doing anything. You might think you're an expert. They say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. Try 10,000 years of destroying human life. 10,000 years of, of capturing and drawing people away. But you'll say, I don't see demons very often. That may be true. It doesn't mean that they're not living and active. There was a demon in the Old Testament called Molech, to which they sacrificed children. Well, no one's sacrificing children nowadays, are they? Not in our modern country, aren't they? There were demonic presence in the Bible that, that made sexuality the pinnacle of worship experience, that made physical sex the expression to worship them. Surely we don't live in a sexualized culture, Right? Or perhaps we live in the most sexualized culture likely in the history of the world. More access to those things than ever before. And, and I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you have gone through something that is painful and terrifying as an abortion, for whatever reason, I'm not saying that you are demon-possessed. I'm not saying that if you have sex with somebody who's not your spouse that you are possessed, but I'm saying that there are demonic beings and there is a hierarchy of demonic beings who are very crafty at what they do. There are de demonic beings that are stronger than some angels. We know this because of the book of Daniel, where Daniel prays to the Lord and God sends an answer through an angel. And it says the messenger angel was stopped by the prince of the air of Persia. That's a demon over Persia at that time. So there was a demon over a whole country, over a whole region, and he was powerful enough to stop a little angel, a messenger angel. And then it says the archangel Michael came, and then the little angel can go through. It's like Big Brother came. We know that Satan was a beautiful angel before he fell. There are notes in the bottom of your bulletin if you want to study. One of them just says Satan. There's passages about Satan and the implications of who he was before the fall and how he fell. So how do we know if we're possessed or oppressed? How do we know if someone near us is oppressed or possessed? One, are the people falling into patterns of despair, fear? That would be the oppression. Are they running from God? Are they distracted from God? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Satan often masquerades, the Bible says, as an angel of light. One of the things that, uh, that I think we don't understand or think 
as much about is, is the dabbling that we do. And here I'm going to sound like a legalist from 1994. I get it. But if you, if you crack a door, then I'm, I'm concerned as to what that crack in the door could open into your life. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you read Harry Potter, Voldemort's going to take you over. I'm not saying that. I am saying if you start messing with evil and lifting up and having a place for evil in your life, you might be cracking a door open to something. I, uh, I fell out of my healthy eating. Not all the way. I, uh, I'm still not eating cheese and milk and butter, all that stuff. I'm not eating beef or pork yet. I'm storing up the wrath upon the bacon for a day soon to come. But, but when I laxed on my nutrition, I started like diving into things, sweet things again. I'm still not doing chocolate, but like, give me some Skittles. And I, I'd, yesterday I was at the park with my kids and I saw a rainbow and it literally made me crave Skittles. <laughs> like that's how bad it's gotten. And I've learned something. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm hungry and there's Skittles, Starburst, pretty much anything that's like chewy and fruity because I'm not eating chocolate, I will destroy. There's no, all the candy that's left in my house is all chocolate right now. We normally have an assortment of like sour straws and gummy bears, all gone. I don't eat them around my kids because I don't want to share. <laughs> so we've got like semi-dark chocolate chips is it. Just the saddest thing for my children. And I found when I'm hungry, I will just eat through the bag. So I do, uh, uh, I do this thing, intermittent fasting. So I, I stop eating at dinner time. And I go all the way. And I usually don't eat until between 11 and 12 now. So I haven't eaten yet. And what I try to do now is I go home and I just gorge myself on healthy food. As much healthy food as I can get. I'm like apples, broccoli. I, get, I have these things called the Dutch oven. Teenagers, it's not what you think. It's... Um, and you do, it's like this ceramic thing. You put veggies and stuff in, and you just throw it in the oven. And just, I don't know what it's called, roasting them or something. And I will eat an entire big serving thing. I don't even put it in a bowl. I put the Dutch oven, this iron ceramic thing, on top of a little hot thing, and I just eat right out of the blazing hot thing, and just as much as I can. And now I still want Skittles after that, but it's far less likely that I'm going to just binge and rip through a whole bag of Skittles. Now, if I create the opportunities, I will, I'll go junk food. In case you don't know, junk food is designed to get you to eat it. It's designed to make you want it when you run out of it. Broccoli does not have that same effect. Nobody eats raw broccoli and says, oh, I'm craving more. Right? You might do it with kale chips, but that's because they've sprinkled a little, a little crack on there. I don't know how they do that. I used to hate it. And now I eat a kale chip, and it's like Pringles almost. Pringles for vegans. Someone's like, nope. That's just vegan for vegans. <laughs> the same with our life. If we open a door to something that we know is bad for us, if we, I'm going to give you some legalistic examples because I think that it is terrifying enough to me that I don't want to do it. I don't let my kids watch certain things. I believe we have freedom in Christ. 
Jackson asked me yesterday, Daddy, can we go home and watch it? No. Why, Daddy? You're nine. I'm 37. I'm not watching it ever. <laughs> what about the other scary movies? Because some of us in scary movies, right? Some of you guys, you watch those scary movies and they, it thrills you. You watch The Ring, you watch The Saw, 1, 2, 3, 4, 17. You watch the exorcism movies? Yeah, no. But some of us do. You don't need to lie to me because I'm a pastor. Just lie to me because you're a liar. <laughs> the fear is that, that I have, the fear as a shepherd that I have, is that I pray for you week in and week out. Uh, I pray based on where you sit. So if you move seats, I pray for you less. Okay, I'm serious. Um, and, and for whatever reason, creatures of habit, we all are. Like literally everyone on this side right now almost always sits on that side. Same in the second service. So I pray. That's where they generally sit. When Alex is here, he's right over there. I know the Goldsteins. Usually in the back row, someone jacked your seat. Mm -hmm. But you're friends, so it's okay to steal from a friend. So I pray, my fear as a shepherd is, is that if I'm praying for protection and if I'm praying that you would be filling your life up with good things, with God things, but you're on the other end opening doors to demonic things. And here's what, I don't think that you're all going home Ouija boarding it up. Some of you might have tried that. It was like a thing. When I was in high school, that was a thing. Uh-oh. It's still a thing? Yeah. I don't know why. People would do that. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you want to be free, there's one way. It's by the power of Jesus. Do not try to overcome evil on your own. You will be eaten alive. Literally, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Unclean spirits are coming after us, whether by changing our philosophies, whether by blinding us with things where it's not possession, but it's the whisper in your head. Before preaching many, many Sundays, I'm thinking things like this. Okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And then a voice comes into my head and it says something else. Who are you? to even be up here talking. And then another voice comes to my head and says, now, it's all right, you could think I'm crazy, but I'm going to have you do this in your own brain. Who, you're a son of God. You're a child of the king. So there's three distinct voices. There's one that says, I. When I'm hungry, I'm not one of those weird people that says, Ryan Tyrona is hungry. <laughs> in my brain. In my brain, I think, ah, I'm starving. For Skittles. I think in my brain, uh, ah, I feel like I want to do this. Ah, I feel like going to this Ford's garage. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. But then there's another voice that says you. And if it's a you that has an accusation, if it's a you voice that is accusing or destroying or tearing down or distracting from God, instantly I say, either sin or demons. I am not listening. If there's a you that is affirming saying, you are loved, you are accepted, you are saved, not because of you, but because of Jesus, 
that I'm thinking, Holy Spirit. There's three voices. Now, some of you may be like, I've got voices in my head too. Some of you might need therapy for that. Some of you might have never just parsed out the fact that in your own brain, you hear I voices and a you negative and a you positive. Think about it today. Don't be terrified. Remember that in Christ, we have victory. Satan caused Adam and Eve to sin. God said, I'm going to crush the snake's head. Jesus came, went to the desert. Satan tempted him, and Jesus did not fall to temptation. On the Mount of Olives, before Jesus' death, Satan tempted him. Jesus overcame and went to the cross for you and for me. The moment when all demons and Satan shudder, because that is the ceiling of their fate. The moment that Satan thought he finally had an upper hand was actually his undoing. Don't try to take on spiritual forces alone. Satan is a lion. Don't try to fix yourself alone. If you think that demonic powers can mess up your mind, I, I tremble to wonder what they're doing to our marriages. In 20 years, I have to admit I meet more marriages that frankly are terrible than good. When, I, when someone has an anniversary, I just did this to a couple today. I say, happy anniversary. I thank you. And I say, same thing every time. Do you still like him? Do you still like her? And sometimes they say, I love him. I said, that wasn't the question. I said, do you like him? Because we're programmed to say that I love my wife, I love my husband. But it's different when you ask someone to ask if they, do you like them still? Because I know the reality is that there are wedges driven by evil in our marriages. Could be a wedge of anger and rage, could be a wedge of pride, which is, FYI, the reason Satan fell in the first place. He wanted to be more than God created him to be. He wanted to usurp God's power. He wanted to be in control of his own life, his own existence. So God said, you want to be in control? I'm going to let you see what that is. Here you go. Boom. Done. God will do that with us if we keep opening doors to evil in our life. You want your marriage to be controlled by you? Fine. Now you're going to see the pain that it causes. You want your kids to be a certain way? Or you don't guard your kids? Our kids are precious. And they're naive. You've got to get the Holy Spirit involved to protect, to seal, to prevent demonic evil from entering your life in many of its slippery ways. I hate cats. This has a point. It's my last point. Uh, I talk in my sleep, apparently, my wife tells me. When I talk in my sleep, she says 99% of the time, I'm literally talking about destroying cats. <laughs> this is, like, that's why I know that this hatred is no joke. She said, I've said things like, we got to get them all. We got to clear all the cats out of the world. Um, in Hawaii, there's these feral cats, and they're everywhere. Now, those ones I like a little bit more because they they look like tigers the way they prowl, but still, they're cats. There's no way to get rid of feral cats by just chasing them away. They're not. They're you're not. I'm not putting out milk for these things. They're just coming in because I lived on a coffee farm there. So there's little creatures that run around. The cats, these wild cats. There's one way to get rid of cats. Get a Rottweiler in your yard. 
Get a Doberman. Get a shepherd. Get something with teeth that's not a wolf to eat the cats or to scare them away. Sorry, cat people. I don't want, to lie. I don't want my only question to be from a cat lady. Why would you do that? Um, when, the, when the Rottweilers, when the pit bulls are in the yard, the cats will not come in the yard. So get the spiritual equivalent of a Rottweiler in your life, not just on Sundays, because chances are likely that I've prayed and our elders have prayed and others have prayed this place down. We've prayed for protection. I told the band of brothers, come early on Sunday, pray through the aisles, because this Sunday someone's getting jacked up. It's not here, it's, it's going to be when you're leaving. It's going to be when you get home. It's going to be on a Wednesday when you're running on empty. Because too many of us are just eating Skittles, letting the doors open. We're not nourishing our soul. We're not letting the, the ghost of God have its way in all areas of our life. And we're opening doors. I could talk about this for longer, but we went a little long today. I think we started late. I'm going to blame it on that, so I'm going to keep preaching for a second. No, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to ask someone to come up right now in front of everyone because I know that we're thinking this is weird. But today, if you, if you have a sense that there's a demonic oppression, if it's in your house because demons are localized, maybe it's in a, a demonic principle, demonic teachings the Bible calls them, or, or wedging between you and a spouse or a child, if there's an evil that you sense in your life, do not leave without coming up to get prayer after this service. I'm just going to hang out. A couple other people are just going to hang out. Charlie will be up here, and we're just going to pray over you. If it's at your house, I'm not going to pray here. You're going to text me. Something's going on crazy at my house. When we get to my house, something flips in my child, flips in my spouse, flips in me, and I don't know what it is, but it feels evil and dark and heavy. You're not going to come up here. You're going to text this number and say, I need you to come pray at my house today, and I'm going to go from here to your house and pray. You tracking, fam? This is not, this is not a, a little game that we're playing. Like I said in the beginning, you and I are in the middle of a battle for your life and my life. Our enemy is organized, our enemy is experienced, and our enemy is powerful. But Jesus has already organized their destruction. He has experienced the worst that Satan has to dish out, and he rose from the dead. You and I, are overcomers of evil, not because of our strength, but because our strength is in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, cover us, protect us, be the pit bull in the pen of our lives. Keep out those things which seek to sneak in and destroy. Lord, give us ears to hear your words Give us ears and discernment to understand when evil is trying to creep in, whether it's what the Bible calls demonic teaching, which exalts us and lowers you, God, or, or whether it's something that is very explicit, a binding, a physical restraining of a person. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that this chapel family, that this service would be filled to overflowing with your spirit so that a demonic presence can't come within miles. 
God, we're your kids, and we're asking you as our dad to, to show up, to be our dad who protects us even when we are foolish, to shut the doors of our lives that we try to crack open through our rebellion. Help us have eyes to see, like Elisha's servant, the realities that are going around us right now, the angelic armies and the power that you hold over all of those who would seek to come after our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.